Hey everyone, this is Yannick Podar, host of the Cure Hacker Seekers podcast. And on today's episode, we're featuring a fascinating guy, Jeremiah Clark. Jeremiah is currently head of business operations at a venture capital and private equity firm called GGV Capital out of the San Francisco Bay Area. I met Jeremiah at LinkedIn in San Francisco and I couldn't be more happy to have someone of his caliber on the show today. This is an incredible episode. You'll learn how a black man from Atlanta, Georgia, who grew up in a single family household with a mom earning about 24K a year, breaks into Silicon Valley, breaks into LinkedIn, pivots into Pinterest, and later on pivoted into a venture capital firm in one of the most competitive markets in the world. So needless to say, you know, this guy is super impressive. And just like every other interview, we get real. We talk about some of the challenges he had. We talk about how the Black Lives Matter movement impacted him. And we talk about how he leveraged a set of guiding principles to make decisions in his career. And I won't spoil them, but my favorite one is learn scalable skills. So the key takeaway really from this episode is be fearless in the face of opportunity. And he learned that through his mom. So if you're someone looking to pivot into your next play, but you come from a disadvantaged background, maybe you're a minority of tech, maybe you're just looking to break into venture capital or into a tech firm, this interview will give you the drive to dream big, break goals into small steps, and start moving one action at a time. And you know, after the show, if you have any questions about this conversation or career hacking in general, join us at the Career Hacker community. You can find us at careerhackeracademy.com forward slash community. This link will also be in the show notes. And uh, enough of that, let's get started. I'm Unique, and you're listening to the Cure Hacker Seekers Podcast. If you're looking to pivot into your next big role, make more impact, increase your salary, or break into a top tech company, this podcast is for you. I was once a struggling business graduate who couldn't find a job, but through trial and error, I learned the career hacking secrets to leapfrog in my career. I'm now listed as one of the top 100 most influential product marketers in the world. I tell you all of this so you know it's possible. And if you feel like you didn't go to the right school, don't check all the boxes, or don't know how to position yourself to pivot into your dream job, don't worry, I got you. Tune in each week to listen to interviews from real people who pivot into incredible jobs against all odds. You'll learn everything you need to take your career to the next level. This is the Career Hacker Seekers Podcast, and we are career hackers. Today, the guest on the show, the man of the day, Jeremiah Clark. Uh, Jeremiah, how are you doing, man? I'm super excited to have you uh, on the show today. Doing well, Unique. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Dude, I'm so happy to have uh, Jeremiah. We know each other back from LinkedIn in San Francisco. So, I mean, I've always been inspired with some of the moves he's had in his career, and I thought he'd be one of the best folks to have on the call today to kind of share his experience and, you know, share a bit of wisdom, but also share some of the struggles along the way. And mm-hmm. so I think this is really the part where I really want to also tune into. And, and uh, if you guys have any questions, definitely after the show, make sure that you, uh, you send them over so that I can have another episode and, and answer some of those questions. Uh, all right. So Jeremiah, let's get going, man. So can you walk us through who you are, where are you from? You know what I mean? Let's, let's start with that. Yeah. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, okay. I went to the University of Georgia, studied management information systems, which is sort of like computer science meets uh, business management. Um, from my cohort, you know, 90% of them uh, became consultants, 9% of them went to become engineers, and then one, uh, me, went to a sales program at LinkedIn. From that sales program at LinkedIn, I pivoted to a uh, sales operations role, um, where I was able to work on some pretty big name projects co-managing uh our gdpr efforts for the entire sales org of linkedin um 
as well as uh, later on um, running really interesting deep analytics uh, using machine learning and to our sales organization's uh, people data. Uh, from after that, I pivoted into uh, becoming a sales analytics manager at Pinterest, uh, focusing on uh, expanding our sales go-to-market efforts in a bunch of countries. I uh, created our, our customer lists for uh, over 13 countries and helped with the sales leaders expand into, I mean, everywhere from many of the offices that we had in Europe to Australia, um, uh, some some things in Singapore, Canada, uh, just to name a few. Uh, after that, I uh, and most recently uh, pivoted into uh, head of business operations role at GGB Capital, okay. where I look for founders doing really interesting things at scale um, and help my investment team scale their own relationships um, using some of the modern technology of of uh, today. And, you know, that's at a high level of, of what I've done. That's like the, the rosy picture, but, you know, there's a lot of other really important details in the middle of that, that it's not so easy to see. Uh, for example, when I was growing up, I largely grew up in a single family household. And, um, when it was just my mom and myself at the height of her career, she was making $24,000 a year. And thinking back to <laughs> what oh. she was able to do and the lifestyle we were able to live uh, off that amount of money, I, I have no idea how she did it. Um, oh. You know, in addition to that, there have been so many ups and downs in my career that uh, I can't even be, begin to label them. And I've only been working for a little over four years. <laughs> um, I think one way that I like to think about myself and my progression is that. Uh, I, I I try to run as fast as I can, and I fall down a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot, like a child trying to run before they can walk. Uh, but I think eventually, after falling so many times, I've I've started to fall less. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's amazing. And, yeah. and I try to at least fall forward. Dude, that's amazing. I mean, just just in those yeah. few little minutes, I can just hear so much of the story and so many different steps uh, that you've had. Uh, I think I want to go back just a couple of bits, just re really hear, like, just you know really talking about growing up in a single uh, household and, and, and your mom obviously doing so much. How do you think that's, how has that shaped you just in a person like throughout your life? Um, you know, can you kind of walk us through that, how, how, how that's shaped you? Yeah. You know, uh, the way I look at my mom <clears throat> is uh, she, to me is like a polar bear um, or at least she, she was, she's uh, recently gotten married and, uh, it's allowed to like kind of relax a little bit, but when she, we were growing up, uh, when I was growing up, she was, she was a polar bear for sure. She took care of her own in a, a wide barren wasteland. Um, and she was ruthless. She, she went after what she needed to go after and she was fairly unapologetic about it. And so when I look at myself in my own career progression, I try to keep that uh model of strength first and foremost um and try to move with the same sort of ruthlessness and, and relentlessness that i saw i displayed from my mother that's amazing man 
And how how is that? Has that inspired you in any way to make those those pivots? Like, because you, you walked us through your your career path already, and it sounds like there was multiple moments where you were changing companies, changing functions, even the fact that you broke through LinkedIn. Like, you know, can you walk us through some of these moments? Like, what inspired you to make those pivots at these different times? Yeah. So, um, very fortunately, at the end of my uh, college career, I had an offer to go into a consulting firm. Um, however, I felt like after interning there, that wasn't the, the, um, move that I, I wanted deep down in my heart. And so, uh, I networked relentlessly, uh, in order to get connected to LinkedIn. And it was specifically LinkedIn because, uh, after my internship, I took some time to think about what I really wanted. And that's not easy. Because there's a b- bunch of things that we want to do, but then you have to ask yourself, is that what I really, really want to do? Um, or is that the most important thing to help participate in the labor uh, economy um, and the tech sector? Uh, I wanted to, I, I didn't know it at the time, but what I really wanted was to help get people jobs at a tech company, a tech company specifically, because they can scale their, themselves way more than a consultant can. Um, which is obvious now, but a little bit less obvious five years ago. Um, and so I looked at all the tech companies that were doing that. And the, the most interesting one to me at the time was LinkedIn, but I didn't, I was in Georgia, uh, Atlanta, and I didn't know anyone in Silicon Valley. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to be a part of the program called MLT. Uh, and one, uh, by chance, I, I think this is the first time they had done it. Uh, they introduced us, they, they brought the cohort to, to Silicon Valley, uh, and I was able to get some contacts there. Um, but the individuals weren't re- largely recruiters of LinkedIn. They're just uh, one guy who happened to work there. But I, I asked that guy for help. I was like, hey, look, I know I want to work at LinkedIn. I'd be a janitor if I needed to be. Um, how can I, who do I need to get connected to? Uh, he passed me to a recruiter, passed me to another recruiter. Uh, I went through an entire program or interview process while I was in Argentina, which was a whole thing in itself um, because of the internet connection. And I obviously couldn't be in in the office um, to go through their strategy and operations uh, BLP program. And I didn't get it. I got to the final round and I didn't get it. And uh, I was very, very bummed. But the recruiter at the time, Sabrina, uh, had my back and she referred me to another recruiter. Um, by chance, they had one seat left <laughs> in the sales program, and no question, yeah, because LinkedIn was where I, where I wanted to work. It didn't really matter to me what I was doing, um, and so I doubled down. I went through that whole interview process from start to end again, and fortunately, this time I received the offer. And wow. I think it was, yeah, <laughs> it was it's an entire drama in itself. Um, but what I think is really important here is uh, having that intention. Oprah calls it setting your intention. Mm. For me, I, I call it identifying your true want and then going after it. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Sure. But uh, fortunately for me, like, I just, it, it, it worked out. 
That's amazing, man. I think you you hear a lot of similarities, you know, and they say success leaves clue and, and it's true. I think one of the first things is to set the right intention to know which direction you want to go out and sell because, you know, if uh, if you don't set a direction, then you don't know where you're going. And so it looks like there's first this deeper work that you went through to really identify what is it that you really want, not what looks sexy or what, what other people want for you, but what you actually want. And you targeted that specifically and that was LinkedIn and, and uh, you found the way in. That's one of LinkedIn's little, uh, you know, slogans. So, so that's amazing. And so here you are, you're in sales at LinkedIn. Uh, what happened next? Yeah. So the program is a leadership development rotational program. Amazing. Honestly, so thankful for that experience. Um, in the first two weeks, the program brings in onboards uh, a bunch of college students into what is it like to work in actual company yeah. and uh, is even connected to the executives and uh, bring in speakers to talk about different aspects of LinkedIn and how they think about leading uh, different organizations with that they're in. Um, one of these individuals that came through, uh, by chance, it was, she was actually replacing someone else, Amy Borsetti. Uh, her name is yeah. Amy Davidson, who worked underneath Amy. Um, and for the first time she opened up and told her story in front of like a larger group. It moved me so much that, uh, again, like something inside of me said, I don't know who this woman is. I don't know what her team does, but I want to work with her. And, uh, I told her that afterwards which my knees were shaking. Uh, but she said, okay, well, let's try to uh, find some more time to talk and uh, I'll get you connected with my team and we'll go from there. And funny enough, when I, I tried to book time with her, again, me being a college student, not really knowing the rules, I tried to book an hour, which in hindsight, I, I, I'm like, <laughs> this is a really important person and just trying to put, find an hour on their calendar. I didn't realize how, how egregious that move was. But of course, that didn't work. So I like, oh, it's like, oh, 45 minutes. That didn't work. 30 minutes. She's like, no, I'm still too busy. And I was like, 15 minutes? She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I got to read. And I was like, I will meet you in between your meetings while you get coffee. <laughs> and she was like, okay. And then that became a 45-minute conversation just because we got along so well. Wow. Um, and yeah. That's amazing, man. So, and so, and she was head of. What was she? Because uh, because uh, you were in sales, and what was she? Which uh, department was she? Uh, was she leading? Right. So she was leading sales productivity operations at the time. It was called sales effectiveness operations, okay. um, which for most organizations you can just think of as uh, sales ops or a combination of sales enablement and sales ops. Mm, awesome, man. And so, how long were you on her team for? So that was a pivot, by the way. Yeah, that was a pivot. So I, I started working with their team a month after I joined, even though I was technically not supposed to. They didn't give us a green light to start side projects. And uh, they also, you know, um, they wanted to have like a whole formal process of side projects. And I just was like, I've got free time. And so I, I, I dedicated it to uh, this team. Uh, but I officially joined the team some nine months later. Uh, after proving out some value to them and working with them consistently, getting to know them, identifying what they didn't have on their team or what skills they needed to have, and then working the whole nine months to relentlessly build those skills so that I could better prove out my case for, for joining them, um, which at the time was primarily SQL and, and, and data analytics. Um, yeah. 
Awesome, man. So, I mean, I think definitely what I'm hearing is that you, you, you took the time to build the skill sets and obviously the, the different projects under your belt to be able to, to build that case to, to pivot it from, you know, from a sales BLP program to sales productivity. Uh, so that's, uh, that's really cool. And how long were you on that team for? Uh, I was on that team for another year and a half after I officially joined, uh, before I had the opportunity to work at Pinterest. Wow. And so talk to us about Pinterest. What, what inspired you to, to make that pivot to Pinterest? Was it in a similar function or completely different? Uh, it was in a very similar function. It was, it was largely a lot of the things that I had learned, applying some of the skills that I had learned to a new problem. Um, what inspired me to transition was largely uh, a talk that Reed Hoffman gave LinkedIn. And this is one of the benefits of you know, tech. Honestly, you have these uh, luminaries that freely give information. And so... Uh, I was able to gain a perspective into what makes Silicon Valley entrepreneurs a little different from everyone else. And what he emphasized was that Silicon Valley entrepreneurs really effectively know how to scale organizations. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that can find product market fit, but Silicon Valley executives particularly know how to really scale. And so I, I sort of became fixated on this idea of being able to scale, scale myself, scale my skills, scale my abilities. Um, and this opportunity was just that. It was, we don't have enough sales people and we don't have enough uh, sale, sales individuals to just go after an entire country. We need to be able to effectively identify who we want to go after and then roll that, that uh, go-to-market plan out at scale uh, using data analytics uh, largely. And so uh, that's, that excited me. It was a skill set that I had been growing and being able to apply it in a way that I think uh, would help give me some of the, the medium to long-term skills that I, I want to yeah. acquire. Yeah. Dude, these are really big moves. I mean, like from, you know, joining a company like LinkedIn, then pivoting to another amazing company like Pinterest. I mean, uh, what do you think contributed the most to you landing these jobs? Like, how did you prepare for these interviews? That's a really good question. I, I think, you know, there's uh, five kind of principles that I pulled together before this. <laughs> uh, I already said one of them, which is to seek your want and to ask for help. I don't think I actually mentioned that second part, but for Naomi, I, I asked her for help. Like, how do I think about joining your team and what do I need to do for um, Pinterest? I had at that point accumulated mentors and I asked them for help. I was like, I feel like this is stepping into really big shoes. Um, the, the second, um, I think is, that's important here is owning the network so, or owning your narrative. So it's your story to tell because you're the only common denominator in your life. Uh, so you, you need to like own, own your narrative, um, and be proud of it. Um, networking, relentlessly learning those scalable skills. And then, uh, probably the most important one in this context for Pinterest is to be fearless in the face of opportunity. And to be perfectly honest with you, I was terrified. <laughs> I, was, I was, I was really, really afraid. Um, but, uh, you know, what I determined was, uh, I wasn't going to select myself out of the process. I was going to put my best foot forward. And if I was determined to have the skills uh, that's needed for the job. Wow. 
That's amazing, man. Honestly, I mean, it looks like there's the, obviously there's a inner drive that you that you just have uh, inside of you, but at the same time, you you have fear, but you're you're pushing through it, uh, and that's exciting to see. And it looks like you do know that you're 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 also saying that you know one, you need to set the right intention. Two, you need to leverage your network and ask for help. You also have you know basically yeah. know your narrative, know your story, uh, because at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. owning it how do you want to you know tell the story about who you are and what you're looking for and the value you have to provide so that's uh very very cool and then and then scale your skills right so that's like you understanding your strength and your areas of opportunities and, and doubling down wherever you need to to get you know get a foot in the door exactly and, and not to go too much of a tangent but the owning the narrative thing i find is particularly important especially for people of color um think of andrew jackson this was a president who killed a man in a duel, uh, killed arguably thousands of Native Americans through the Trail of Tears, and still ended up on the $20 bill. And I think that's largely because he owned his narrative. He was sort of the winner of his time, and so he could create his own history. Um, and while you can argue about you know, the approach, what's, what's important to derive from there is like, no one is perfect, um, but... The, the benefit here is that uh, you need to be able to love the things that you've done and yourself and, and tell your story. Um, absolutely love it. And so how did, uh, you know, when you're, I guess one, one question I have is what was uh, some of the toughest uh, moments in these pivots? I mean, you mentioned black being, you know, uh, a black person in tech or what, what's some of the fears that you had, or is there anything you would have done differently? Having gone through this experience. Hmm. There are so many. Oh my gosh, so many things I would do differently. Um, so I would say one of the toughest parts, especially about making the switch, there's two. There's the moment right before you recognize that you truly want to make a switch. Because oftentimes you've been doing a thing, you probably have been doing it for a while, and you don't think that you, or you don't know if you can do other things. Uh, and and that was the case for me in both switching to Pinterest and BC and, and to Naomi's team. Uh, but I think what's really important is that you take the step forward regardless, just one step at a time and try to break down that big goal into just little, little sub components. And the smaller you can make that sub component, the smaller you can make the step forward, the better. Um, so, I mean, just drop the resume, just apply, just send a quick email to, to the recruiter, uh, and then just let the steps go forward and just keep stepping forward. Um, and then the second part is, um, once you're actually in, once you sign the dotted line and you recognize, okay, so I was able to do it. Awesome. Uh, now I actually have to do the work Mm -hmm. and that feels like standing on a precipice and leaping forward, uh, in front of a ton of people, uh, because the higher you go, the more visibility you get. And so that, that is also quite terrifying. Um, and what I would suggest there is what helped me is not identifying who I, as who I was, but I, like identify, imagining who, 
what did Jeremiah look like that would be crushing this role? How would he show up to meetings? How would he dress? How would he interact with other people? How would he answer questions? How would he prepare for meetings? I tried to, I tried to identify him as much as possible. I tried to imagine sitting down with him and, and learning from him. And then I try to emulate that as much as I could. Wow. That's like, you know, you're straight out visualizing, you know, what you need to become, uh, how you need to behave, how you need to treat others to be successful. And then you pretty much emulate that today. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it is, cause I, I feel like it's not me, but it's who I want to be. Uh, and eventually hopefully it becomes me. Wow. Is there anything else you do to kind of keep you, you moving through that, that terror and those fears? Because uh, I'm sure, you know, you still encounter some tough days uh, learning through trial and error. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I've also found is that uh, when you mess up, and it's really hard, <laughs> but own it and make an action plan as to, and, and to how you're not going to mess up again. Usually three things redundancies help um so it's like oh i could have done that better all right here's what i'm going to do different one two three own it and then move forward wow man it's amazing and you just recently made uh, another pivot we talked a little bit about this but this this other pivot to basically uh you know going into venture capital how did that happen i mean what even what even went through your mind to say i want to get into venture capital knowing also how competitive and tough it is in san francisco which is you know arguably yeah. the most competitive market in the world when you look at just the amount of talented people there and uh you know the demands and the opportunities and so how how did you even come up with that idea and then how did you break in yeah i wish i wish i could provide like a, a game plan um of what I actually did, but to be perfectly frank, uh, this is an, another op time in which opportunity happened to present itself. Um, to provide some context, uh, what I what I can say I did control was around this time or around the Black Lives Matter movement. I was, I was really down. I was doing a lot of self reflection and asking, "Is this really what I want to continue with?" and nothing against pinterest um it's a fantastic organization and business but what i recognized was that at the end of the day i was spending my time and efforts to promote ads and i felt like that didn't really align as much with my my core mission any longer especially in the context of an unprecedented economic crisis and black lives matter movement um so I, I, again, I was kind of afraid. I didn't know what I'd be doing because I felt like I had developed a really weird skill set that wasn't like a traditional sales op skill set. I like built databases and, and like pulled data using APIs, but I wasn't a data engineer. Um, and so I wasn't really sure what jobs I could do, but you know, I, I set my intention that I wanted to be open to different opportunities that might come through. And by chance, Almost like, and, and then I took a step forward. I just like, I saw a square opportunity. I thought was kind of cool. I dropped my resume in. Um, my roommate happened to work at Square. And this is a pro tip. Ask for the referral, ask for help. So I asked them, hey, I'm really interested in this role. This is what I've done. Can, would you mind referring me? And he did. And so I got into that interview process. And then 
weirdly enough, almost as soon as I took that step, different opportunities started coming. Um, Facebook reached out to me out of the blue for a product marketing role. Uh, a former mentor of mine also offered a position working with her. Um, and then this VC opportunity came and in the square opportunity continued going on to the final round all at the same time. Like when it rains, it pours kind of thing. Um, and I ended up with three offers all around the same time. The only active step I took was dropping my inner resume to, um, square and then asking some people for help. I said, Hey, I know I'm looking for something else, but I don't know what that thing is. I, I feel like I'd be interested in these kind of things because I know I'm a builder and I, I want to build things. Um, and then the opportunity started coming in. Um, That's awesome, yeah. How, uh, and where are these company uh, opportunities coming from? Or is this LinkedIn? Uh, the square opportunity was LinkedIn. Most of the, and the VC opportunity was LinkedIn as well. Um, the Facebook one was uh, a direct email um, because I was in like a network listserv thing. And uh, the mentor one is from a relationship. Yeah, dude, that's amazing, man. And so, so here you are, you have three different uh, offers. I presume there are three different roles because you mentioned product marketing and, <laughs> and so now. So, yeah, yeah. There were three different roles. One was for um, uh, a data science role. Um, the other one was for a product marketing managing role. And the other was for a uh, business operations role. Wow. How do you make a decision? I mean, first of all, congrats for getting three different types of uh, job offers all around the same time. Uh, so we can even talk about that for a little minute because obviously mm-hmm. the preparation for those three different interviews are different. It's just different skill sets, Stressful. different stories to bring forward, different experiences to, to bring to the top, uh, different questions to ask for each of these different interviews. How, do you, yeah. <laughs> how did you even manage uh, the, the interview process? Well, uh, for the interview process specifically, the advantage of working from remote was that it was a little easier to schedule the meetings. It's remote. I I didn't have to worry about going to an office and then be like, oh, I'm going out for lunch. Uh, So I could be a little bit more liberal for the preparation itself. um, There's uh, a, a... uh, he's now a director of product management at LinkedIn who wrote about how he got his first product management role years ago. Uh, that I think is one of the best pieces on uh, pivoting period. His name is Nitin, uh, spelled N-I-T-I-N, Julka, J-U-L-K-A. If you go through his LinkedIn articles, which is kind of hard to find now, LinkedIn, if you're listening, like put them back up, make it easy. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. Uh, and you scroll all the way to the bottom. He's written a lot of stuff. Uh, he has a comprehensive guide from how he dropped um, his, his uh, I think it was a finance role in New York, moved to uh, the Bay with no context, no job offer, and just hustled to get to his first product management role in six weeks. Um, but like, yeah, his was, when you talk about ruthless and relentless, it's in detail. It's that. And so I try to emulate it as much as possible, um, which means talking to people who know uh, as much as possible what the role is like, what the responsibilities are, then trying to, then owning my narrative, converting 
the responsibilities and expectations of the role and correlating them with the responsibilities and, and expectations that you've already gone through. And then being really honest about where there's a gap and how you're going to fill that gap, which if it's a growth role, there'll be a gap. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, I mean, but that's also what's exciting sometimes when you, you jump into a role where there's obviously a whole new uh, function or skill set or experience that you need to build. And it makes it exciting, but terrifying at the same time. But it's that right level mm-hmm. of energy that, that, that makes you want to go all in uh, and really brings mm-hmm. in your best self because, um, you know, humans tend to be happiest when they are progressing, you know, they see, they see upward movement, whatever it is in any facet of life, whether it's, you know, it's health, it's, uh, it's work, uh, whatever it's vocation relationships it always you know you're always happier when you're moving forward so that's incredible you put yourself in that situation um how's it going so far you know how, how long have you it's been going great okay it's, so far this is my favorite job <laughs> favorite <laughs> role um for a multitude of reasons one the culture of ggb is well, well, firstly um and to be perfectly honest ggb I, I don't think is, is widely known as widely known as some more popular BCs. Um, and I'll just leave it at that, but our performance is wildly superior to most, especially said popular BCs. When I first joined, I did some analytics around performance, our performance, uh, competitive performance. And I found that we drastically <laughs> outperform many of the BCs that come to mind. And some of those, uh, aren't actually performing all that well in general, like comparatively to just like the, the industry average. Wow. That being said, um, obscurities being like hold, holding kind of obscurities here. What I really appreciate is it's not just, uh, the performance of the team, the organization, but also the culture of the team. We're incredibly lean. We have 35 people in the U S to put that in context. Um, other firms may have, 35 partners, <laughs> uh, let alone associates and, and everyone else. Um, we have uh, a culture of transparency, a flat hier- hierarchy, and uh, willingness to try new approaches to things, which is how I even got my role, because uh, my role is not typical for VC. Most VCs still operate like their law firms out of the 2000s. Instead of like having a business operations tech like or sales operations like uh, role within their uh, organization to bring, you know, Silicon Valley high tech sales processes and tools uh, to to an investment team, which has very investors have a very similar deal motion as a tech sales high like a. Um, you could think of like an enterprise AE or like an executive selling AE, same similar sort of uh, deal motion. They might only do, you know, two or three deals a year, but those are big deals. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it's like that. Awesome, man. And so what, what's your focus on this year? You know, 2021, you know, fresh new year. Well, I mean, we're already like, uh, you know, about three days in close to it, but uh, you know, what, what are you, what's your, what's your objective? Is there anything specific you're, you're eyeing this year? Always, always, always. Um, first things first, really, really delivering on to my team, onto my role, uh, to the organization, um, proving my value and establishing my reputation. It's top of mind. It's, it's especially in a growth role. Like maybe if I were some hotshot executive coming in, I could take it a little bit easy, but uh, not right now. Yeah. 
Um, what that means is realistically putting in time. Um, and that might be anywhere between, uh, 50 to 60 hours a week and trying to ensure that I have at least four hours of straight working time, uh, per day. Um, like outside of meetings, outside of, you know, everything else. Um, the second is how can I help the larger now that I'm in this position, especially, but even outside, how can I help the, the macro environment of what's happening, particularly in the U S um, and so I'm working on developing a tool to help people uh, more effectively get jobs. And then third, I'm, I'm learning Chinese. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. I would like to go to China. Um, uh, and particularly I'd like to work, uh, and are either China or Singapore offices for a bit. Wow. And so wh- wh- where is that coming from? Wh- wh- what's inspiring you to, uh, to want to work and learn, uh, uh, you know, Chinese and, and work in China or Singapore? <laughs> well, I, the answer I typically give people is, uh, just because my firm's kind of known, like their reputation is having like a dual presence being equally in China as in the U S and being able to see the two, uh, sort of, uh, um, environments there and being able to identify global trends as a result. Um, but the real answer is I had a dream and this is going to sound kind of hokey, uh, but just bear with me. I had this really vivid, I mean, like almost a really vivid dream. Um, and it, you know, I was like talking to this other entity and it told me to learn Chinese. I saw myself in China holding, like uh, some device that could help increase the speed of construction and lower the cost of building homes. Um, and so, uh, you know, like, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make this happen, but at least I'll, I'll try going for it. Cause I think that's what I want. Uh, and I started studying Chinese the next morning and, and have been practicing every day since. Wow. How long has it been now? You've been practicing Chinese three months, three months, three months. Yeah. Oh man. Fuck you, wait. <laughs> Dude, I love how you always got something moving, you know, helping you move forward. Always something to next look, uh, look, you know, look forward to. That's amazing, man. Um, as as we close up, I got I got two two quick questions. Well, uh, sure. You know, one is, um, you know, what would you say to, you know, the person who is kind of on the fence? Uh, they're looking to pivot to the next thing. They know they're not quite happy. They're not quite fulfilled. But there's that imposter syndrome. There's that, you know, who am I to think that I can do this? Is that inner chat that's kind of preventing them from from moving forward? Uh, you know, what kind of, you know, whether if you have a couple ideas or a couple words, you know, what would you say to help, uh, you know, get that person into motion? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think everyone's situation is a little bit different. Um, and so... I'd like to have three points, but realistically they're four. The first is again, deeply take a moment. And I mean like 30 minutes and work through what you want and why. Once you identify what you want, what you really, really want, be relentless in pursuing it. It might take three months. It might take six, might take nine, might take two years. Um, Once you're, decided that you're going to relentlessly pursue it. If there's a gap, be obsessive in filling it as much as you can. And usually that's about learning a skill. And I recommend learning a scalable skill. Uh, and right now there are two, uh, anything around content production and anything around technical development, uh, tends to scale, uh, practically infinitely. 
And then the last, uh, but not least, and uh, it's to be fearless in the face of the opportunity once it presents itself. Um, especially the longer you devote towards uh, trying to obtain it, the more you want it, the scarier it's going to be once it's in front of you. Yeah. Don't stand your way. Just walk forward. That's amazing, man. Dude, I really appreciate it. I mean, yeah. So I think, you know, taking it back to, to having some time to really think and go internally and figure out what is it that you really want. And then once, you know, you, you know what that is, make sure you also know why, because uh, the why is really what's going to yeah. drive you forward. Uh, and then, you know, be obsessed is about like going after it. And, and as you go after it, you identify gaps and, and go after those gaps uh, and, and, yep. and move forward towards that opportunity. And I think, um, at the end of the day, uh, you're you're gonna be scared, and you just have to do it scared. Uh, but every, like you said earlier, you know, take that big project, break it down into small little step, and just take that one step, send that one little email, uh, whatever you need to do uh, to get there slowly but surely. Yeah, the person who looks at a marathon as twenty six miles doesn't finish it. Yeah, the person who looks at a marathon as uh, twenty six one mile runs does yeah and where can people reach out to you if they just want to like uh, ask you a couple questions at least just follow you follow your your learnings your teachings and so on yeah 100 percent. so i'm building out my twitter audience uh you can find me at, at jeremiah o'clark um as well as probably the best way to get in contact with me it's also my linkedin i like check it more than my email uh and so that's also uh slash in uh in slash jeremiah o'clark awesome thank you so much jeremiah i appreciate you uh, bringing some time here and sharing some knowledge some wisdom and some love uh really appreciate it thank you very much oh thank you unique uh it's been a pleasure and uh i'm looking forward to seeing the other episodes as well Awesome. Thanks, man. Hi, this is Unique, host of the Career Hacker Secrets podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you're thinking of making a career pivot or just need help landing your next big role, come join us at the Career Hacker community. You can find us at careerhackeracademy.com forward slash community. You'll get direct access to me and connect with other like-minded people. The link will also be in the show notes. Make sure to hit the subscribe button and tune in every week to hear from more career hackers on how they took charge, pivoted, and took action to live their dreams. See you in the next episode.